I think sometimes about extinctions, especially about big mammals and animals that we really like. I read about things like poaching. My friend and guest on the podcast, Lorna Davis, if you watch her TED Talk, which I highly recommend, and I'll put a link to it, she talks about her love for rhinoceroses. She's from South Africa. And Rachel Neuer, who I've reviewed her book, I forget if I did it on my podcast or blog, but definitely did online. Poached is the name of her book. She writes about poaching and how we kill animals for crazy reasons. It's just horrific. I mean, I see poaching as horrific, and I hope that it ends. But I read a fair amount about how we lose wildlife. Yes, there's some poaching, but even if we ended it, there's another great force that will keep destroying wildlife and nature until we deliberately act on it globally. So the threat to wildlife, it's a little bit poachers, but mainly it's farms. And when I say farms, us expanding into new areas, setting up farms, and after we set up the farms, and I, do I mean just farms? I don't mean just farms. Setting up civilization, expanding into new areas. History seems to treat civilization, human civilization, as pitting peaceful agrarian parts of humanity against violent fighting ones. But our rules and our hierarchies built on the laws that we create based on you can own land, and if I own this land, you don't own it, and how we distribute things. These things grow more, and they threaten more. That, that is, we grow in number, and then we grow in space that we take up. I mean, I could throw fishing in there too. It's the same pattern. War and violence are not separate from agriculture. Agriculture has led to growth and systems of ownership, rights, and organizing people to keep growing in number and using land, water, and resources. Our armies serve our expansion, creating war when we expand into other people's territories, or when we go into areas where we aren't, our colonies expand into, into those territories, and then we junk those territories too. People ask why I don't live in the country. Why don't I go off to nature and live where it's peaceful? A lot of people do that. People have second homes, people move off. I don't want to augment the pattern that we've been doing for millennia. The pattern is a few people or one person finds an area overcrowded. They can't live there anymore. They can't, they can't stand it. So they move away to get away from it all in some pastoral or some, you know, they're the only ones living off in some place. They become a beacon for others, effectively making themselves colonists. They don't want to be alone. They still keep in touch with other people. Those other people come and visit. They see how beautiful it is out there. And then other people move there. Soon that one house, now there's a few houses, there's a small community, a bigger community, and we pave over what was once beautiful. Necessarily, to protect other species, other wildlife, we have to lower our population. That means lowering our birth rate, not killing people. I always have to say that because people jump to conclusions. I'll get to that in a second. And I don't mean to settle to a higher number. Like people say, oh, our population is leveling off. It'll be something like 10 billion. We're already over capacity. The numbers that I see, our capacity is well below the 7 plus billion that we have now. So that means we have to lower our population, meaning if we don't want nature to do it for us with famine, disease, and other ways involving suffering, lowering our birth rate. I couldn't talk about lowering birth rates before, before learning, in particular before learning about nations doing it successfully, deliberately, peacefully, producing prosperity for everyone. I described this in my episodes on Alan Weissman's books. I actually just had a conversation with Alan Weissman for this podcast, so I recorded that. It's in the editing queue, so it'll come up soon. These nations that he described, Thailand, Mexico, Costa Rica, Iran, and more, they lowered their populations not with coercion, not through authority, not through authoritarian measures, not through forced abortions, 
like China's one-child policy, nor racism like eugenics, but voluntarily producing prosperity and stability. Rhinoceroses, Great Barrier Reefs, and maybe a million other species that are going extinct or may go extinct soon or already have, they may lose numbers for proximal reasons like poaching or sea temperature, but ultimately human overpopulation does it. With rhinos, we use the land that they would live on to make our farms or to make our cities. At a given moment, they might not be on a particular plot of land at the moment that we fence it off, but they lose the land they need to live off and they can't eat there anymore. And so there's a smaller number of them the next year and we build them another farm and we expand into that territory and there's fewer and fewer of them all the time. I say this about rhinoceroses, but it could be about whatever species. Artificial fertilizer and other technologies enable us to fence off more and more land that we couldn't farm before, but we can now. And look, I want to be clear. I love the farm my CSA vegetables come from. I meet the farmers. I love going up there and walking the land and eating the food from there. I love the food that I buy directly from farmers at farmer's markets. And I shopped at farmer's markets when I crossed the country last fall in Los Angeles, Ventura, Houston, bringing friends with me all the time, introducing them to shopping at farmer's markets. In Atlanta, I almost went, but it was raining. So I consider farmer's markets and CSAs the best way to shop for food. But we have to see unchecked farming and the laws, the military. You know, I'm not just talking about farming. I, I, I hope I don't confuse people, but I'm not attacking farming. I'm talking about agriculture, unchecked growth that results from it. And the laws, the militaries, the colonial practices, finance, and the unchecked growth that agriculture produces this is the source of these animals' extinctions. It's not just the poaching. The poaching, if we stopped poaching, but we kept growing, and not even kept growing, if we just kept with the populations we have, more and more extinctions would happen. I'm not saying stop farming. I'm saying not to look at agriculture as a system that is purely peaceful and agrarian. It, we aggressively move into other territories. I'll come back more and more to lowering our population in this podcast. It's not just poaching that's causing these extinctions. We can't farm more without causing more extinctions. And again, I'm not talking about farms in particular, but the system, the agrarian system that results in unchecked growth. If we check that growth and we degrowth, then we can keep farming, but we'll farm a lot less and we'll have a lot more area to keep wild and we will rewild many areas. I hope this came off as I meant it. I just look at people, look at poaching, and they're like, that's terrible. But then look at us increasing our farms and farms, and we take territory that used to be for hunters and gatherers or just wild, and we farm over it. And we have to see that that farming, as we're expanding into new territories, that expansion, that's what we have to look at. It's not so peaceful, even if no war happens when someone sets up a cabin in the woods or some farmer expands their territory into what was once wild.